0: It, it, the irony is that any any sort of brilliant AI will be con- will be assumed to be cheating AI. <laughs> uh, you, you know, th- there's no point in trying to create brilliant AI because it will be assumed that you're cheating. Uh...
1: Hi, everybody. This is Soren Johnson, and you are listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Today, we are talking to Sid Meier, who needs no introduction. Where I usually start is, what's the very first video game that you remember?
0: First game I remember is probably a version of pong that I ran into in a sleazy bar, no, uh, a lounge somewhere in the Baltimore area back in when the very, very, very early days. It was a sit-down cabinet type of thing with people, one person sitting on each side. And what I remember about that is that on one of the sides, the controller that moved the uh, paddle back and forth was backwards. So you had to kind of. So it was. Bro- it, it, that's it, not the way it normally. Was. I I don't think so, but okay. um, maybe it was easier to program that way. I don't know, <laughs> or was installed. But like you had to kind of. That was the handicap side. Like if you were good, you would play on that side because <laughs> okay. it, it, you turn to the right and go to the left. Um, but it was you know a revelation that you could play a cool game, electronic game or whatever. But it was a version of, of Pong. Had to be in the late seventies, I would guess. But that was the first video game I, I ran into what did it
1: um what did it feel like like at the time like did you have any sense of what was going to happen or was it did it just feel like this is this really strange gimmick
0: it was pretty clear that it could be improved upon certainly the controller <laughs> uh but the graphics clearly i mean it was on a television but right. it didn't look like what you normally saw on television so clearly the tech the hardware could show better stuff uh, and so it was, it was uh, you know, clearly had a lot of room for, for, for improvement. And, 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 you know, shortly after that Space Invaders came out and other, you know, we, we certainly quickly saw that it was going to go somewhere. So it was very, very exciting. But the idea of, um, uh, games, uh, played using computers was a cool uh, cool concept because I was working in the computer field and I'd always been interested in games, but right. never really had seen um, a kind of career path as far as were putting you the two a, together.
1: Were you a programmer already when you saw Pong?
0: I was a I was a programmer uh, and, and actually called a systems analyst in those days. So I had studied programming in college. Um, but I was doing more the design of, uh, systems work. I wasn't actually doing a lot of hands on programming, but I was working with programmers and, and, and kind of interfacing between them and the people who needed the programming done. This was for kind of a retail, um, cash register, uh, electronic cash register type of application. So, um, I was immersed in computers, um, but they were very serious and not very fun things at that, at that point in time.
1: Right, right. When um, so, more arcade stuff started coming out. What was this? Was there a specific type of arcade game that you responded to the most? Is there any of them that stood out that you know made you kind of think there would be something? So there's something more here.
0: I think Space Invaders was the real revelation that uh, it became an emotional experience. It became uh, it, it transcended the screen. And uh, you started imagining in your mind the Earth being uh, menaced by these aliens and uh, you know the sounds, I think, were very effective there and the, the ratcheting up of the tension. Uh, I think playing Pong, I, I never really imagined I was a tennis player on a tennis court. It was right. just uh, a couple lines uh, on, a, on a TV screen. But with Space Invaders, uh, it became <clears throat> a little easier to... Kind of get into the fantasy of the game, and I think that was that was uh, another turning point for me, kind of seeing that that potential. Okay, now this is uh,
1: around this time home computers started coming out.
0: Yes, did yeah.
1: did you get one at this point?
0: I I I looked at the TRS-80 and the Apple, and uh, they were very kind of hardware oriented, and I was um, more of a software person, mm-hmm. um, and you know you could build your own heathkit computer and you know it was, it was it was kind of more about the the engineering of it at that point right. than uh you know you could toggle in your hex codes to make a 5-1 <laughs> program you know um that really wasn't what i uh was 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 going to be interested in but um the atari 800 computer came out uh you know sure a little a little later and that was uh, I could see that that was designed for the programmer uh, person and not so much the the hardware engineering person. So that was my first personal computer, and I started making uh, my own games on that machine. That was a very early eighties, I think. Right. Um, so when you I got said, the
1: eight hundred, did you, you did you just try to start programming right away, basically?
0: Yeah, I I was just uh, you know pop in the basic cartridge and uh-huh. and and. and uh, in those days, you had to kind of mine for the the real good technical information, like what the different registered and hardware, right. you know, memory locations did, and all that kind of stuff. But you could kind of start with some some basic uh, written in the basic language things. And um, I started just playing around making games. Some were. Do you remember to...
1: what your first? Yeah. What were your first games?
0: I actually made a a copy of um space uh, space invaders type clone. i think All that right. was the first game i actually started by cloning <laughs> games, <laughs> I see. Yeah, yes. um i remember I, I didn't have a disk drive so it was done with a cassette drive yeah it was hand assembled assembly code now that i remember uh okay so it was so you know, you starting at the you, bottom you started, you, you
1: jump past basic pretty quickly then i guess yeah for
0: for that kind of uh speed i i think i guess i realized i needed to, to do this in assembly code right and i i became a fan of 6502 uh, assembly code you know it's like right. you're either you... you're the 8080 person or you're a 6502 person <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's like android and ios you know yeah, yeah uh so i i kind of fell in love with the 6502 assembly language and um just kind of uh had you done the,
1: assembly before in your work
0: i probably had not so not 6502 but i probably right. had as part of um in school um we learned like fortran and uh and i think we did some assembly language but um i mean everyone is different so right it was sure. just but it you know it's programming you just kind of put your head down and write out some instructions and see what happens you know right right right
1: um it's hard that was so that was a sort of generation or so before <laughs> me um i had a Commodore 64 but i was far too young to, to mm-hmm. do assembly so i did basic but it's still kind of hard for me to kind of conceive of like what the development process was in assembly back then like would you start by like writing i don't know like some basic drawing subroutines which then you could rely on later or did you have to kind of, like, write... I mean, it, to me, the thing that seemed inconceivable is you could just sit down and write out the whole thing, right? Like, right. what was the step-by-step process?
0: Well, a game like Space Invaders is not super complicated, but right. um, it was, I guess, um, incredible uh, overconfidence that, you know, just sit <laughs> down and start start writing lines of code. Right. I, I think I gained an appreciation for a lot of things. One is kind of incremental programming because right. there's no debugging tools, so... Yeah. Uh, write a little something, check it out. Write a little something more. You know, that way you kind of always know where the bug is because it's in a fairly small, um, you know, area. Whatever the new stuff is, is probably where your where your bug is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the the idea of iteration, the idea of kind of quick turnaround. I think all those things started to kind of form there in, um, in, in, in assembly language programming and, and appreciating good tools, you know, not having good tools probably makes you really appreciate the, the usefulness of, of tools and things like that. Right. So it was, um, there were, you know, as opposed to today, there were very few, you know, we didn't have to comment our code, we didn't have to use object-oriented programming. There were A lot of the, the uh, you know, we were free the, the, to program in any way we wanted to, you know, kind of whatever got the job done. Um, but I, I think it was the same process of kind of break down the problem into kind of discrete pieces and then, um, you know, program each one of them. Uh, I don't Think I developed any tools, you know, like a subroutine library or, or things like that at, the, at that point. Because I actually only wrote, wrote one or two games in assembly before I moved on to. Um, I actually developed my own language a little later that that I could I could program using some basic and also um, this language was was um, kind of stack based. In those days, there was a language called Forth floating yeah. around which was it was kind of stack oriented and mm. uh it, it basically allowed you to to program in a higher level language but have the efficiency of assembly language and then that was kind of the uh, a lot of our early games were, were programmed in this language which I humbly called Sidran and um and it was, it, was it, this
1: <laughs> was this after Microprose started? this
0: was at Microprose okay. yeah I'm, I'm I'm not sure what the first game was that was programmed in SIDTRAN, huh. It was the early Microprose games, Right. Uh, and it had the advantage of being uh, portable. So if you had the, um, you know, you had the, the compiler for your Commodore sixty four, your Atari, or your Apple, you could basically be running the same. Yeah.
1: A lot game. of the games that were made in this era were built on top of custom languages. Mm-hmm. I mean, like all of the Infocom games, for example, mm-hmm. had that. They had yeah. their own. Basically, programming language that then they could recompile to all the different systems because it was crazy how many systems there were back then, right? Like
0: right, there were the the big three: Apple, Commodore, and Atari. Then you had in, in, in Europe, you had Spectrum and some other some other machines. Um, there was TRS. Um, uh, then later on, the IBM yep. came around. So yeah, there were there were definitely um, uh, a variety of machines that that, that we wanted to uh, to support. And um, between the Atari, the, the Commodore, and the Apple, there was a, there was a f- enough similarity that, you know, in terms of the screen resolutions and right. the color abilities and things like that, that we could um, reasonably port things from one machine to another.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump back to your, you had your 800, you're kind of making games by yourself. Um, did you, at that time, think of like, wow, this, this would be something that would be fun to do, you know, with my life, but...
0: Like was that or was that inconceivable? Like, um, I thinking of it as a career evolved fairly organically, uh, but that's kind of where Bill Staley right. enters the picture. Um, I was making um, games for for fun. I had made um, um, you know a racing little race car game and a uh, <clears throat> kind of a there was a game called Choplifter with a helicopter that I made a clone ish. Right. clonish one of oh i, I mean, <laughs> i'm embarrassed to remember this game but i now i now remember i made a game um <clears throat> which is kind of you were there were some some it was kind of like a horizontal space invaders i guess mm. you had a uh, like a helicopter on one side of the screen it was shooting at bad stuff at the other side of the screen right and um there was his head kind of like defender I guess so. Right. And okay. um but there was this there was the Ayatollah was on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> topical <laughs> topical game. That, 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 that was the era, you know, and uh he was kind of jumping up and down, shooting things back at you. And I remember uh vividly that my mother played it. I showed it to her. And she just got so excited, and so I mean, her 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 emotions ratcheted. That that Ayatollah was shooting at her, and she just couldn't play because it was too it was too intense. Uh, (laughs) And so I think you know, those experiences kind of uh, indicated that there was you know there was something to this uh, this phenomenon of of, of games. So I was playing around with that kind of stuff. Um, then I ran into Bill Staley. Um, we were attending a conference. Uh, we both worked for the same company, but right. in different divisions. And we were attending a conference and um, got to talking and you know about games. And he was in the Air Force, and there was kind of a you know um, classic conversation where he said, you know, if, if you can make games, I'll sell them, and let's start a company. And um, that was kind of the, the 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 next step in terms of turning it into a a career. Now there were a number of steps further steps. I mean he we both kept our day jobs for a while and then he um uh, <clears throat> I kind of went part-time on my day job and did this more time and he went part-time and it, we kind of you know kind of took small steps in terms right. of trying to figure out whether this was going to work or But it was uh, just
1: it was just you two for quite a while?
0: Yes, it was the two of us and then we gradually um got other folks who were working at General Instrument was where mm-hmm. we were working at the time to do some conversions and ports. You know, I, I knew a bunch of programmers there that were kind of interested. And there there was a whole... Um, uh, it was the, kind of the, a cool thing at the time. Flight Simulator from Microsoft had come out, and yeah. that was a cool game, and people were playing that. And so there was kind of an interest in what was happening and uh, the fact that we had a little company... Was um, was something people wanted to work with us and and, and and become part of. So, a lot of part-time people um, and, and just a gradual growth of micro micro pros. Was there
1: when you when you first started? Was, was there like a model you guys were following? And when you looked around the country, like at, you know some of the other because there were a few other kind of very small firms. Or were you guys just kind of taking on faith that like
0: <laughs> this could work? Well, the. Um, there were a bunch of mom and pop computer stores yeah and uh i mean bill tells a story about kind of putting baggies of games in his trunk and running up and down i-95 stopping at the mom and pop stores uh and there were um magazines hobbyist magazines where you could put an ad in and people would uh we'd, we'd mail things to you know send things mail order to people um and then there were there got to be distributors i remember Handelman was like the big distributor and uh it was a it was a real coup when we got to be distributed by handleman a little later in the in the game so it was um it was definitely early days wild west just trying to make it up as you went along right but um the strength that we had was that Bill was focused on running the business, selling the games, right. kind of exclusively focused on that, and I was focused on making games, and we really had our own interests and, and kind of kept out of each other's way. And but between the two of us, we kind of, you know, covered the important right. parts of, of, of putting everything together. So how did you
1: decide what games to make? i the <laughs> um, was, 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 very of Floyd, was that, Floyd was of the that jungle. The
0: first game? <laughs> well, a lot of the early games were driven by a new technology trick. Okay. Like we would discover some new aspect of the hardware or new some new technology trick that was kind of cool, and we build a game around it. Um, the our earliest games were Hellcat Ace and Spitfire Ace, mm-hmm. and um, there was this technology trick with the vertical blank interrupt where we could make a horizon line kind of move around really quickly and you know and smoothly and uh, and that became <laughs> that became a, a an air a, you know a flight simulation game hmm. um with floyd we discovered character animation okay. that you could uh print a bunch of characters on the screen but by changing the font you know in the background it could it, things could animate so we had these like uh snakes that would kind of writhe and uh uh, these little guys with blow blow guns that would shoot at you and um uh, we discovered uh, what's called player missile graphics in those days and things that you could move around on the screen and uh the the other thing about floyd was that we took advantage of the four joystick ports on the atari Mm -hmm. to make a four-player game oh wow that was kind of like the uh the coolness like one person would uh be controlling floyd as he raced through the jungle to rescue the lovely janice and uh the other players would control like the bad guys and things like that so um huh. uh there was you know the floyd was 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 kind of based around this character animation uh, uh trick um later on with pirates we kind of discovered a way to compress uh images pictures mm-hmm. uh so in pirates a lot of like a picture coming up with a menu and and, and because we had the, found this cool trick for squeezing uh squeezing down uh, you know what it took to to bring up a kind of a cool picture
1: right
0: um and uh so there was a lot of the early games um were, so were i mean I, I, won't, I won't say they were they were only about technical tricks but um we we liked, I mean, Bill, being in the Air Force, right. you know, kind of certainly liked the air, airplane stuff. Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah, I was about yeah. to
1: say, I assume he pushed you a little bit to make the Ace game some of your first games, I, right? Yes,
0: I, I I think that was, yeah, it's uh, something I was interested in as well, but I, it definitely kind of resonated with him. And with F-15, we had... For the first time figured out how to do 3d math um and so we could kind of rotate things that so they looked like they were happening in 3d and and um so through those early early games we were kind of combining in our interest but also with kind of what the technology would support right. at the time and and um and just enough to kind of get the player's imagination engaged and then yeah
1: were there okay. other games doing something similar with 3d at the time or were you
0: guys, um. Well. Well. I mean, uh, Flight never, simulator was probably the most impressive use of 3D. I think at the time, the, the Microsoft Flight Simulator. Right. But um, you guys.
1: I mean, what you? I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, what was your philosophy in differentiating yourself from Flight Simulator?
0: Like fun. Yeah. <laughs> Good. That, <laughs> Good answer. That was an basic difference. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's
1: why I want Like at that point, I mean, it's still early, early in your career, but. Like you must have had a little, bit, a certain amount of philosophy to decide to make the game about something specific, as opposed to Because flight simulator is just kind of like this broad open thing right. where it's kind of aimless, right? Right, so right. So what did you want to do with with Strike Eagle?
0: I think it was, um, it was, it was the, the fun part. Um, I mean, actually, before uh, F-15, we did solo flight, which is probably uh, the most interesting car- uh, comparison you know, versus flight simulator. Okay. And basically, we added like the mail delivery game. We we put a game around it. You know, okay. there were like there was time pressure and the uh-huh. money you were making money or whatever. And um and and again with F-15, it was. The bad guys were out there, and you had to complete the mission and you had to um, you know the other planes um you were using um it was the age of Tom Clancy, so yeah. um you were using this high tech equipment with flares and chaff and different kinds of missiles and radar things and it was kind of uh of that time I think that was a time you know between tom Clancy and the and the end of the Cold war it was like um, that was, what was, was in the air kind of this, um, this, this high tech military interest in high tech military stuff. And, um, now we've always made games about that. We wanted to play. I think it was, you know, Bill's interest in the military. I have an interest in, in, in history in the military. So they were, these were all games that we wanted to play, but they also tied in somewhat with the kind of Geist of the time. the like Geist mm-hmm. of the time,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Hmm, it's interesting. Did people, well I didn't I had no idea that soul flight had a kind of an economy going on in, in the background like, It was
0: yeah, there were uh you know, say, oh, we got mail for this place. We got to it's got to be there in 2 hours, you know, and yeah. then you would kind of take off and um Did did you
1: get a sense of how people responded to that? I mean, probably it was very hard to find out how people it, responded in yes. general. Yes.
0: Yes, it's hard to imagine a world before the internet, but um it was um we would get Actual letters written mm-hmm. on paper um, from people, you know, occasionally, but it was definitely um, a very different turnaround cycle. You know, you'd send a game out into the into the world, and and there'd be silence for for a time, and then you might hear something back. Uh, there was no opportunity to day one patch it or anything like <laughs> that. It just went out as is, and and you, you kind of hope for the best. But um, there would be magazine reviews, uh, you know, eventually, and things like that. But it was much more about did we like the game, you know? Did, that was kind of our our benchmark. We didn't have focus groups or things like that. So if we thought the game was good and fun, you know, that was that was probably the best we could do when we we, we shipped it. Yeah. And how long how long did it take to make most of these games? It it grew over time but i remember 3 months was our early um our early development cycle um games like uh, air traffic controller and um the early hellcat ace spitfire ace floyd games you know chopper rescue all those early games certainly no more than 3 months to develop um and then it gradually grew 4 or 5 months 6 by the time of um Probably by the time of silent service, we were up to six or eight months to develop games. Uh, but it was, and that, that was, up until silent service, it was just me. I was I was the team. I was the programmer, designer, artist, sound guy, QA tester. <laughs> um um I mean it was there was uh, we yes. finally got an artist with uh with Silent Service was the first game we actually wow. got an artist. I said, What yeah, I had done this conning um, tower. This you saying I can tower- do art? <laughs> what are you guys <laughs> here? I realized <laughs> I could do art, but I couldn't do it quite as good did as the mother. you <laughs> seen my picture of the Ayatollah? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I had done this conning tower screen where your guy goes to the different stations, mm-hmm. and then uh, halfway through the project, uh, we, we hired an artist, and he did a really better one. I said, oh, okay. Right. I see how this art thing works. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but it was you know in, the, in certainly the first run of games um it was a very small team and a fairly short development cycle yeah i mean in the early days when you ran out of memory you were done it was right. ba- <laughs> you know it was you had maybe for in, in the atari we had 48k of yep. memory and um
1: yeah i wanted to ask like were there <laughs> what did were, were you making decisions about you know the game that we're based off of. Like, oh, we know we're going to run out of memory, so <laughs> we're going to do this. We can do this, every, this or that. We can't do both.
0: Uh, definitely, every byte was was precious. Uh, I, I I mean, in the Atari, your variable names mattered. Oh wow! You, every every character in your variable name took up a byte, and and so you know, I still have the habit of single character <laughs> variable <laughs> names. <laughs> you know for oh, I A's equal A's 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 <laughs> oh, wow. maybe two if I'm feeling generous <laughs> you know but um so that was that was a consideration um you know, the, the, you know how many fonts did you want to support I mean yeah it was you were definitely uh struggling with um with memory uh throughout the process and in, and in a way it was it was um, when you were out of memory, you're done. You were you had no incentive to add you know for feature creep because you had no, no room to put anything else in there. So um that was the the discipline in those days, I think. Yeah, and yep. it continued actually. In you know in the, in even in Civ, we were struggling against. The, sure. At that point, we had six forty, you know, okay, in the in the IBM, but we're still struggling against the memory limits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Silent Service for a little bit. So, mm-hmm. this is the first time I remember you. because so I remember seeing ads. I was probably eight or nine. I saw, remember seeing ads in Compute Gazette, Silent Service, and there would be a little picture of Sid <laughs> down in the corner. <clears> um, <throat> and, uh, of course, at the time, I had no idea that, you know, the, I guess it implied that you were making the game, which is true, basically. Right. So, right. Um, you know, it was kind of, and I don't remember any other ads doing that back then
0: that was a pretty unique thing um i i remember i have a a a picture here of of um me sitting in front of a computer with a bunch of dollar signs hanging from the ceiling (laughs) and me holding a bag of money and um this was bill's idea to um attract more designers (laughs) 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 <laughs> his feeling was that he wanted to grow and um and we needed more game designers you know right. that that made sense yeah uh, and the way to attract them was with, was money. with pictures with of bags, pictures of money pictures and, of money and i think that was also um part of the thinking behind that ad was like you know come work at at uh Microprose and you can become famous you know you sure. can become yeah. you know we 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 recognize designers and 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 yeah. so i think that was Sure. That was part of that
1: well, I'll say the one exception to that, of course would be electronic arts, because during yes. that period they were also you know at least for the first couple of years, really putting designers you know for very the much and that's yeah. why for, for me like i the companies I remember very strongly from that phase of my life is are electronic arts and Microprose. because like they showed the connection with the people behind the games, mm-hmm. and like that really meant something to me because at that point I immediately saw that like I can make video games for a living that's a real mm-hmm. thing, you know? yeah. um and uh you know it was it was interesting to see that
0: well i think electronic arts even went further and made it cool to be a a video game designer i mean it was (laughs) it was not only that you could do it but you could be cool doing it and uh i'm sure that influenced a lot of of young impressionable uh, <laughs> yeah, gamers
1: yeah well you remember when you're nine or ten what's really cool though is fighter planes and submarines though, okay so. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is however what's true um so how did
0: you decide to make silent service um <clears throat> that's an interesting question i think we <clears throat> we were kind of in the simulator mode we had done f15 uh uh, we had done the hellcat spitfire games um so we're kind of in that um that mode uh of being known
1: else like this
0: so that was that was one consideration Mm -hmm. and there was a technical trick that uh, i came up with which was kind of loosely based on the idea of fractals that um I wanted this game to take place in the vast expanse of the Pacific Ocean, but um, that you could zoom in and have your tactical battles just on the coastline of you know this island here. So I came up with this system kind of loosely fractally based where you could take you know you'd have the, your map of the Pacific, but you could take each character and then blow that up into a full screen and then take one character of that screen and blow it up into another screen. So you could kind of zoom in. Basically, infinitely, no <laughs> <laughs> um, and that that was kind of the technical trick of, of the game that kind of allowed you to experience this big campaign, you know, in the Pacific. Um, and then um, the it's, it was a fascinating era. I mean, this, the submarines are cool. The idea yeah. of stealth was was neat. Um, the idea of the kind of angles and, and, and avoiding the destroyers and and diving and you know, there's there's a, there's um, a, a bunch of interesting decisions to be made, you know, in 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 uh, submarine combat. So that was that unfolded as we made the game, uh, and then um,
1: what there's the... what what were some of those? Like how what were the dynamics of the game?
0: Uh, it was um, there was kind of like figuring out. You know there's a contact okay well what direction are they going and how do i get ahead of them you know how do i get in the best position how do i do that with uh, but while avoiding being seen Um, once i shoot my torpedoes i'm probably going to be revealed so then how do i escape Um, and um, there's a whole turning radius thing between the submarine can turn quickly but is slow and the destroyer is fast but turns less quickly and then there's some interesting geometry about that whole situation uh that comes into play once they're you're being chased and um uh <clears throat> there's a, a campaign a- element of you know i've only got three torpedoes left is it time to go back to base or do i try another you know try another engagement right so those kind of things you know stirred together and gave you um uh interesting things to to think about and um there i mean sub silent service is the where there's the classic Deck gun uh, story, you know. With uh, uh, there's a lot of thinking going on. There's a lot of interesting decisions, but you know, Bill said there's not. It's not quite exciting enough. We need a deck gun. Get up there and blast (laughs) them. And he was right. You know, I I, and, and so we added the deck gun and it gave you that kind of option. Well, I'm out of torpedoes, but. I'm gonna shoot surface, then anyway. yeah, I'm gonna get them. Or the, the, uh, just like they do in real submarine warfare, bury <laughs> yeah. up to the surface and start shooting. <laughs> it. So uh, that was kind of you know all the different pieces that that uh, went into uh, and went into Silent Service. Yeah, um.
1: hmm. and you were starting to play around with sort of a metagame, right? Like having. A overarching campaign.
0: There was a campaign, right? There was a strategy level, and then you'd go into the individual engagements, and uh, you know, then come back and and, and sail again. Mm-hmm. So, um Did yeah, you have a? Was...
1: Did you have a? Like, what was the purpose of adding that? Like, I mean, at the time, were you? Wait, wait just go ahead. Right.
0: Um, I think it um, it gave the engagements um, a context and an importance. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that was uh, just part of the. Um, we were getting more and more historical, I guess, it certainly, right. you know, and, the, and that was the, I guess, the, probably the, that was a game about a, something that really happened. So, um, you know, we wanted to give you that whole story and, you know, that, that, that look at the whole Pacific. Um, <clears throat> and um, I guess it kind of gave importance and context to the individual engagements. That, so it all kind of worked together.
1: Right. Was there a... Um, I know you always favor fun over history, of (laughs) course, Um, but uh, was there, were you making choices, like, were you doing some research about the period that, like, played into this, or how did this, how did it kind of, like, play out?
0: Uh, I definitely read about it, Um, and um, we, we, yes, we we made some, there are a couple of decisions I remember. There's, um, the, the, the problem of firing a torpedo is a very geometric, trigonometric one. You know, you gotta kind of figure out how how much you got to lead the target and et cetera et cetera um we 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 did that calculation for you um um, there was a decision there you know so you
1: showed them like this is where your this is where your torpedo is going to end up is that what you mean by doing for them
0: we well you would look through your periscope and Uh, you'd see the target yep and you could decide um to, to aim a little bit ahead a little bit behind or right at the target Mm -hmm. but aiming right at the target meant that we would calculate um where the target would be when the torpedo got there assuming it kept on that course right we did that math for you so you could do the spread of your torpedoes still which Mm -hmm. was kind of like the what the smart guys did yeah um but you didn't have to calculate the geometry of, of you know Shooting directly at the sh- at the target wouldn't work because by the time the torpedo It'll got there, gone. obviously the target would be somewhere else. So, uh, but if you aim directly at the target through your periscope and launched, it would do the calculation and say, well, if you know if that ship continues on that course in that direction, you're going to hit that, that that ship. So you, so, you mean so,
1: like when they were they would look at the target, they right. hit the button, but yes. then the the game would actually aim the torpedo where the boat's going to be. Yes.
0: Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Um,
1: so you were doing <laughs> aim correct. Right, we were we
0: we're doing aim correcting. Now if the if the ship turned or something, right. you know, then the, then that's why you did your kind of spread things. So, okay, I'm going to shoot one torpedo at the ship. One maybe a little bit ahead, one a little bit maybe behind, you know, you could do that kind of of strategizing, but um we we decided that um we didn't want to make you do the geometry thing because you couldn't really look through the periscope and do that. Right. Because you'd have, to, you'd have be, to be looking at somewhere I mean it it you know, it was it was one of those decisions that um it's always striking to me how how certain things seem obvious in hindsight and right. not even noticeable. Yep. we could have done three different things and and we were torn at the time of how to do it, but once we selected something. It just became oh yeah sure that's the best way to yeah. do it no there's no question it doesn't even doesn't even come up so um it's one of those things that that um
1: once you tried it it was just like
0: right okay is, yeah this, this is, is this, this is, is the way to go uh nobody's gonna say darn i would really love to do the trigonometry <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> so <laughs> i prefer accidentally missing so much more <laughs> well we realized we'd have to give you a much wider fudge range if mm. we if you know if if we did that and uh that 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 could have been another game, but yeah. Um, but you got to be looking through that periscope, you know, to 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 have the fun of, of feeling like you're in the in the submarine. So that was kind of you know some of the decision making that we that we did to kind of keep it real feeling. But this, you know, your your idea that fun is always uh, uh, certainly I won't say paramount, but it's oh you know it's, it's sometimes it's the most important thing sometimes it's just another factor but we're it's certainly one of the elements of the of the equation and um <clears throat> it's really whatever it takes to immerse the player in the fantasy you know that's kind of where where we're going i think with the with the design right
1: okay hmm. cool so um do you remember what the response was to Sound service
0: silent service did well i think we had um Probably gotten involved with Handleman by that time mm-hmm. and we had decent distribution and um um I remember the number like four hundred thousand or something. We, right. we sold four hundred thousand of that them. Sounds like a lot and back that, then. That that was a good you know, we can we can make a business yeah. out of selling <laughs> four hundred thousand copies of a game that one guy, one guy, with, guy a, with, with an artist <laughs> um, you know, in nine months or whatever. So um I guess it, the
1: question then was he able to find other guys?
0: Um, were we you,
1: were you making multiple games at that point?
0: We we were. Um, we, um, there was a, ga- a game called Kennedy Approach, which was an mm-hmm. air traffic controller simulation. That was done by by Andy Hollis was one of the people that worked with us. Yeah. Um, I did um, the first of our war games. I guess it was NATO Commander, but right. then. It was other people did um, the, next, uh, summer, uh, the yeah. next crusade in Europe or decision yeah. in the desert. Oh, it's amazing! I'm remembering all these <laughs> names. Wow, this is fun. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. <laughs> so we had we probably had um, four or five programming people working between the ports because yep. at that time I was um, developing on the Commodore 64. But we wanted Atari and, and Apple versions, certainly, of the games that we were making. So we had some people working on, on ports of the games and other people working on some some original things. So was, we were probably four or five um, uh, programming programmers. Um, like I said, we got our first artist at that point, And we had um, you know, Bill and his wife was kind of the office manager. And we had uh, a, a marketing guy. And uh, shipping, well, you know, again, lots of things were mail order in those days, so we had a shipping uh, group department right. that was doing that.
1: Now, the industry probably looked a lot different at this point than it did <clears> even <throat> just three or four years earlier, right, when uh, everything was just baggies and stores. And...
0: Right, you had your Electronic Arts, um, you know, Dan Button was making cool games for yep. them. Um, you had um, some of the adventure games starting up. Mm-hmm. you know um and uh, sierra online and some you know, so that yeah there were their genres were starting to rear their ugly head and um and companies were getting kind of known for different things so it, it yeah. was it was becoming a little more legitimate uh, yeah. i mean i remember
1: time. this being a fascinating period because it, you know, it was kind of before there were genres so there were just mm-hmm. games could be almost anything back mm-hmm. then for For good or ill um, <laughs> but, uh is, I was yeah, I wanted to ask is there are there games specifically you remember from this period that really inspired you uh
0: certainly, seven cities of gold was probably the one game that just totally blew my mind when i when i uh right. played it. it was uh you know would, the clouds parted, and I was like, wow, <laughs> you know you can. You can do anything, you know. Right. You can make me believe anything <laughs> you want me to believe, you know, if you if you if you do it right. So I thought
1: And then why uh, is that exactly?
0: Well, the the vastness of it, um the, I, the you know, this entire continent laying there to be explored, uh the the mechanics that just were were transparent and and very easy to to use, um, the historical, I think the historical aspect of it, you know, uh, took a, a kind of a lighthearted approach to history, but mm-hmm. you felt it that was there. Yeah, it yeah. was there, it was there. Um, I, I still remember that disc drive spinning, spinning <laughs> and spinning and pulling in yeah. more and more of the, you know, the world. It was like, um, you know, my mind is like, well, I wonder what's coming in off that disc now, yeah. you know, <laughs> what cool thing. And, uh, Amazing the natives, and it just you know it was a, it was a it was a game with lots of great ideas in it. I thought, well.
1: yeah, yeah. That series of gold was super important for me too, and I I don't remember how long it took. It was probably three or four minutes to generate a world. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was. <laughs> it seems like it was a long time but it was exciting right, right. because you were just your imagination was going the whole time
0: and yeah like, and you get the little messages you know now i'm creating uh right. the lovely Mountains rivers or, or right.
1: yeah, erosion <laughs> or whatever and um who knows what that actually meant but uh um yeah right. because there was nothing i can't remember anything like that that created a just mm-hmm. created a continent like right.
0: that yeah yeah I, I think that was that was unique in its day and um and the 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 audacity of it was was really uh, life changing because it was like oh as a game designer you have you are god you know you can do whatever you want you can tell me that you're generating lovely mountain ranges and I'll 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 believe it you know right or you can tell me that uh, the natives are amazed and 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 you know I'll 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 feel good that I amazed them um, so it was it was definitely. Uh, took the the shackles off and said, uh, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want to create for the player, you know, you can probably go ahead and try and do that because they will come along in, in their imagination and and contribute their half to the to the experience. And uh, so 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 go for it. I think you know that led to uh, railroads and, and civilization and pirates and those games. You know, certainly they they all of a sudden we we started to kind of Take on more more epic uh, challenges uh, right. because of I think the experience of playing Seven Cities.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the issues, one of the issues with Seven Cities, and it was kind of probably because of that's just where the industry was at the time, is that it's it's a little bit aimless. You know, like the goals are not. So right. I mean, at the time, it didn't matter to me. It was mm-hmm. just so exciting to be exploring this continent. Right. Um, is that how did you respond to it like as a game
0: i think i don't remember having that um problem specifically although it probably tied into the length of time that you ended up playing you know maybe after a while you you kind of found that but uh i mean my my response to seven cities was probably pirates it was probably um which also i thought i felt was not was it wasn't aimless, but I would I would I would use more like the idea that the player could choose. They had a lot more flexibility in, ter- in terms of choosing their goals. And well, their, p- and
1: their pirates path. kept sort of presenting mm. you with options, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in Seven cities, it kind of felt like at some point you were just well, just keep exploring, right? right. Keep mm-hmm. painting, you know keep revealing the you know keep revealing more land like that right. basically at some point that was that was just kind of the thing whereas like in pirates like you you know you kept getting all these branch points where True. You, you right go this way right. go that way so it felt like that was that was sort of a response to that but oh, yes
0: don't... yeah i mean i i i think that was kind of what i enjoyed i mean I, I had kind of the same reaction to SimCity that yes it was um it was fun but after a while i needed a reason more of a, a stronger reason hmm. reason to play but uh, I mean, I think uh, Seven Cities probably appealed to the completionist in you. You know, right. you, you wanted to reveal that entire continent. continent yeah. You know, that was that 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 might have been the goal. You know, um, but yeah, in Pirates, we we it was more it was more role playing. It was more um, uh, giving you decisions and, and context and things to do. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely remember, inspired by Seven Cities. I do cities. have a
1: distinct memory in Seven Cities of you know they had the different. The different symbols for the different tribal villages, right? Mm-hmm. Usually they'd be these little just small hovels. But then they had these kind of, like, giant rectangles for the empires. Mm-hmm. And you could play a game for hours without seeing one of those, right? And because there was so much land to cover, like, I, I still remember, like, the first time I saw one of those being like, oh, you know, it was just this, this huge moment. Mm-hmm. that came out of just this like tiny little symbol (laughs) that i'd never seen before but in context of like knowing that how rare it was right like it was this 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 huge moment
0: yes the power of imagination i mean it's 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 if you can draw the player into the into your world it it really doesn't matter that much what you're showing on the screen you know it's just it's just a trigger it's just a you know something to get the player's imagination going and yeah yeah Yeah. it's cool
1: well we should probably say we're wearing the pirates then. It seems like the natural <laughs> place to go. So you played some Seas of Gold. Were there other things that were pushing you towards pirates? I mean that is kind of the natural next game after Silent Service,
0: right? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had played some of the adventure games um that were kind of parser based, you the know. That Info-com was kind of the, or, the Infocom games the Infocom games and other games. That were um were fun um but you spent a lot of time kind of arguing at the parser you know it's like um i do not know what that means um and so pirates was kind of a uh reaction to that that um let's cut to the chase you enter the city here are the four things you can do that are interesting don't worry about trying to do everything else um and it um it was actually inspired kind of by a movie at the at the time, we were kind of arguing about whether we were the next, you know, the next cinema, the next movie. You know, what right. uh, the kind of connection between games and movies was um, was being talked about, and so Pirates was kind of like, let's take some concepts from, from movies. You know, the idea of of uh, focusing on the on the key moments and then kind of cutting to the next key moment and not, you know, not making you e- drape through every. Every moment in between, um, right. let's take a kind of um, romanticized view of this topic. You know, Pirates is, is not historical in the way that silent Service was more historical. It's more of a, what are the fun parts of, um, of pirating, you know? Um, and Bruce Shelley says, you know, we, we do our research in the kids section of the, of the library. Right. And I think that, that kind of was reflected to a certain extent in, in Pirates that we were looking for that uh that swashbuckling uh kind of feeling um using the technology that we had i mentioned uh, the idea that we had found a way to compress images so we could uh, kind of um uh, put a cool picture with uh with all the different menus that you, you know we could show you the, the city when you wanted into the city we'd show you the governor when you talked to the governor we could show you the the shopkeeper when you went to trade um and that that again for us had this kind of a little bit of a movie-like quality that you could you kind of visually support what you were what you were talking about um and then uh probably um the most innovative aspects of pirates were kind of the combination of different action sequences with an overall story um and this open world what, what I think people most responded to was the kind of open world feeling right. of the game that you could go anywhere you wanted and do whatever you wanted to do. And you really had the, uh, you know, that's about, that's pirating. You know, you're not affiliated with any, you know, right. you're, you're, you're not taking orders from anybody. You, yeah. You're the you're in charge, you know. Um, and that was actually another thing that we took from that was whatever the, the game situation is that you're talking about, find the person who's having the most fun in that world and put the player as that character, you know, um, there's a, I mean, there, you know, there's a range of, of people that you could be in, in a piratey world, but, um, the person who's having the most fun is the captain of that pirate ship. So, you know, give the player that role or, uh, uh, so kind of all those things, um, kind of merged together. Um, we were using our Sid Tran and it actually helped us. We could, load in the Sid Tran for each of the little action sequences and, and mm-hmm. you know go through the the sword fighting or the ship battles or things like that and then kick it out when we didn't need any more and, and bring in another one. So um it was a combination of technology inspiration of uh Seven Cities and some of the adventure games. Um, and you know, that kind of all um I guess I I was also um Kind of wanted to do something different you know i had done a bunch of simulators submarines airplanes etc and um i think the topic was actually suggested by arnold hendrick who was one of the producers or in those days they weren't quite producers but we had gotten to the point where our games would come with a 200 page manual and and so uh we had folks that were kind of more research writers and and arnold suggested pirates as a topic and it was like oh yeah that could be cool so um it's kind of how that all
1: was that before can... i've heard the story about you got a trip to the caribbean that was that was uh okay. that was during so
0: that was during pirates that was a <laughs> research trip then? Is that right? it was a bit of a boondoggle i guess <laughs> but <laughs> um but you, Got to do, got to do what you got to do to uh, get, <laughs> get the authenticity in there. But yeah. uh, yes, that did happen. <laughs>
1: did <Yeah>. happen. <laughs> um, do you remember? Um, do you remember how the project started? Like, was did it take a while? You know, like like there's sort of the story of how like Civ started originally as like a real time game. So right, it made, it made a gigantic right. divergence yes. at some point. Yes. Like, were there alternate versions of Pyrus you tried that didn't work?
0: I think it went pretty um pretty directly. I think we started with the adventure part or the menus or the the kind of setting mm-hmm. knowing that we would need something, you know, but we we gradually layered on the action sequences, probably starting with the ship battle and then adding the sword fighting, um the land battles were kind of maybe a a bridge too far. I don't know, <laughs> sure. but um, but we um, uh, it was it was um, it, kind of merging those two together was uh, we had done it in sound service, but um, keeping the thread of the story going um, was uh, I think part of the part of the part of the challenge. Actually, the ship battles was um, again one of those things that, in hindsight, it just seems like it works really well, but. Um. The
1: so you start so but to be more specific, so yep. you started with like we're gonna make a map of the Caribbean and we're just gonna start sailing around it, or yep. you didn't start with like let's just make a fun ship battle and like build no, the game around no, that.
0: No, that the pirate game started more with the story. Yeah. The st- that was we had this kind of movie thing in mind. Like we want we want um you to step into this character. Right. So um it started with the sailing around, um, stopping at the ports, um, uh, um, and then adding I think we knew we would need ship battles sure. um and probably sword fighting. But um they they kinda got added on as we as we evolved. Um it's possible the ship battle was ex- cause I think that was the the most um experimental part or unclear how to how to actually implement the mechanics. Um I mean, real sailing ships moved very slowly and turned very slowly and right. um kind of did pulled run? up next to each other and blasted <laughs> each other into smithereens, right. Um and that was not fun. So did, um, you, did you try that? I mean like how did the... I I think we gra- I think we started uh with a more sedate um, um model and then I mean, there's a whole problem of range, you know, I don't want to get too technical, but but with a with a joystick and a button mm-hmm. I mean there could have been another game where you're moving a cursor around the map where you wanna shoot and then you know, one mode is moving your ship and another mode is moving your cursor and right, and yeah. you know, ugh Um So I guess similarly to Silent Service, we 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 do the range calculation for you. Uh, so you aim your ship. Oh, you well, I guess that's
1: you. you never, you never choose how far you want to shoot. No, you don't. I've never even thought about that. You exactly. Just, you just drive, and then you just, you know, if they're in your direction, if they're, if they're your left or right, you shoot.
0: Right, right, right. The um, and so, you never
1: even choosing, of course, whether you're shooting for the right or the left either. <laughs> you know, Ooh, I'm sorry.
0: It's magic. <laughs> um... Uh so yes so that was you know we experimented with different different ways of doing that but it came down to again what are what are the fun things to manage and what are the unfun things that you don't want to manage and and uh trying to separate uh i mean it it worked well because sailing your ship was also aiming and, and tactics and yeah. all it all kind of folded into Am like you know should i turn left or right yep. and when should i shoot you know those were the things that actually mapped very well to your your joystick you yep. know so <laughs> um so making those the important things and um kind of doing some of the other stuff for you in the background made the uh the ship battles interesting
1: yeah you and, know one thing and this is kind of a weird aside but i feel like and of course these games kind of transition to consoles but i feel mm-hmm. like i always felt like one thing that got lost from computer games after the 80s was the fact that a joystick was no longer assumed mm-hmm. right like right. you just in the 90s you just would not have made a game like pirates at least you wouldn't have made it on a pc mm-hmm. maybe you right. made it on a console mm-hmm. but or, or at least it would have had you'd have had a whole different ui right, right? and like an, an action driving driving a pirate ship it just i don't feel like it would work with a mouse mm-hmm. right it's, like it's, you it's... were developing it to the the ui or the to the, the 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 interface that was standard at the time right, right? which was a joystick
0: yeah yeah, I mean, all all of our games were 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 joystick based in those days, um, but yeah, it was. I mean, and it's the process of iterating. You know, you you play and um, and you you know something doesn't just doesn't feel quite right, you try and trying to figure out what that is and how do you how do you fix that? And 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 part of that, a big part of this, definitely the the UI and, and the tactile. You know, what are you know how does how how intuitive does what you're you have to do to to accomplish what you're trying to do feel you know yeah. ideally you you don't even think about it you know? Yeah, and that's that's the so the one thing that's
1: interesting about the um, uh, ship battles is and is that you also have an opponent on the screen who's essentially playing the same game as you are right like mm-hmm. they're also turning and trying to shoot right. at you or whatever mm-hmm. what kind of fudging did you do inside of the game code to kind of like figure, because there, I know there are different difficulty levels and maybe that played into right. it, but like, how did you make the, the, the game design choice decisions about like how the AI ship should react? Because, you know, the, you could have them auto target you as well. Right. Right. Like right. so on and so forth.
0: They, um, well, the AI is table based. Um, okay. And so it looks at the relative angles and, and things like that. And, uh, actually has to take into account the wind at a certain point. Um, but it is um it's fairly what is this? I just... canned i think mm-hmm. one of the things that can happen and is satisfying that you kind of learn how the ai operates and you can re react to that right but um or predict it predict it way, right yeah um and now there's a fair amount of asymmetry built into the battles um in terms of you know they probably have a larger slower sure. but more powerful ship right so um you want to use that asymmetry in your um in your tactics you know right. you want to use your speed to your advantage and 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 avoid I and mean, there's a neat tension when they say whoa they're starting to you know get their broadside close yep. to me and i know they got you know 70 guns that could be trouble um so um there's no there's no um specific we don't go to the extent um of there's a whole another level of psychology that we could implement you know oh oh i just got hit i'm probably not feeling so good so we should give you a little break or you know oh you're probably feeling really good about yourself so let's let's hit. <laughs> uh, you know we don't get into that uh next level of stuff i think having uh generally it's having a fairly solid uh it, the irony is that any any sort of brilliant AI will be will be assumed to be cheating AI. <laughs> uh, you, you know, there's no point in trying to create brilliant AI because it will be assumed that you're cheating. Uh, um, I know that so, too well. <laughs> so, um, a solid kind of AI that you can learn and get better at, uh, mm. at at you know at at working against is is kind of is really satisfying. I think so. That was um that was the theory behind
1: um, do you remember what you did to did you do did you make changes to make it more difficult
0: the the difficulty levels are generally uh simple things like uh, the radius of their their cannonballs you know the, the the accuracy they have to be maybe not quite as accurate and you have to be more accurate as the as the difficulty level goes up for example or maybe the amount of damage it's done by by a cannonball will will adjust but it there's um Seldom changes in rules or changes in in tactics, you know, or changes in AI that that are tied to difficulty level, because it's, it'd be kind of frustrating, I think, to kind of learn you know skills against one kind of AI and then um have it change. We'd sure. be, be very different at 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 a, at a different level. So it's more more kind of just requiring you to be a little better a little more accurate you know a little more 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 of a of a penalty for 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 doing bad things and having to you know work a little harder to get the good things to happen sure that's kind of where the difficulty level typically factors in
1: yeah it's interesting one other thing you said earlier about the speed because i certainly remember from playing that i would always try to get the the, the sloop oh, yeah the sloop that, well, that was, was, a so fast was fast. the fast one the tennis was the fastest but, but was i was just so small, couldn't yeah, yeah i couldn't
0: have it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah i think i always liked i like playing the sloop and mm-hmm. um because yeah it's I, it sounds like you decided that it's more fun to be fast yeah right i never thought about the fact that i was never in, rarely in a situation where like i had to go with the slow big ship and my opponent was the fast mm-hmm. ship because mm-hmm. that that probably just would not be much fun right so you must have made that kind of choice yeah. at a high level yeah the like,
0: sloop was kind of the cool one now you could eventually get a really big ship and you know maybe with one or two well aimed shots uh kind of blow the other ship up but um but that actually wasn't the best strategy because you wanted to keep that ship yeah. and sell it and you know so so yeah, the other the sloop and it was actually kind of historically correct. No. You know, that was kind of the the ship they that they tended yeah. towards but because of those reasons that it you know, they could kind of get up close without taking too much damage and then capture a you know, intact ship. But yeah, it and and it and we made sure that was kind of the most fun ship to 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 fight with. So, it right. seemed to work out. Yeah.
1: Hm, cool. Uh, well, let's talk about the other mini game that worked out really well, uh which is the sword fighting. Um, so how did that how did
0: that come about? that uh, again um, was a challenge to figure out what the mechanics would be. Um, I guess what, you know certainly when I you know I knew we had to have sword fighting, but it's like okay, what is what is the strategy of yeah. sword fighting? You know, um, you know, where's the you know what's what's a, what's smart and what's you know where where do you find uh, a way to 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 make those decisions interesting i guess is you know what it comes down to and um so we, we focused on this idea of um that a f- fast and slow having the option of a fast attack or a slow attack mm-hmm. where the slower attack would be more powerful but if you if the other guy was doing a s- slow attack and you could sneak in there with your fast attack that that was kind of a clever thing to do right um and then the idea of parrying, which is like if you could parry the other guy's attack, that opens up kind of a window opportunity maybe to get your slow attack in there because he's like stunned or something so we're we're kind of needing to come up with mechanics that allowed you to be smart about right. about how this would work uh hopefully kind of intuitive um but um something beyond button mashing something that would be a better strategy than mashing the button um and so it was it it was you know that was kind of the process of of discernment there of trying to figure out how do we turn something that uh we all kind of are familiar with what it looks like but how do we where we how do we find kind of the the strategies behind it and and you know we're kind of those are the ones we came up with now there's, there's there's a whole nother set of strategy i mean what you know there's a whole running around the barroom kind of sword fight that you could have had jumping right. on tables and swinging from chandeliers and we didn't have the graphics technology for that <laughs> but i mean I could see a game about more about position and things like that you know um so it's really uh kind of coming up with some mechanics that um, that work and, and and make the game interesting and and probably also map pretty well to the controller i think that was another another aspect of it that we could um you know if you if you lean the stick towards the bad guy you're attacking if you are centered and you know then you're parrying um and then we gave you the three different weapons again right. you added kind of, added another dimension to the matrix and um you know if you if you preferred the kind of quick uh style you could choose a rapier you know if you preferred the Pounding style. You could choose the cutlass or something. So kind of mixing that all up together seemed to work. And, and you know, and stepping back, um the game did not require and, and really didn't wouldn't benefit from kind of a complex mini game. You know, we'll probably talk about the covert action role at some point, but um the the mini games needed to be fun and exciting and and, and uh and have a have a, a consequential result. But uh, also not take you out of the story so long that you kind of got lost uh, as to what was happening, and so, so we were not looking to make the ultimate ship battle simulation or the ultimate sword fighting simulation, but something that was fun and, and again had a consequence in the game, but would get you back in time to continue on your adventure.
1: Sure. Do you remember? Was the so was the AI for sword fighting it was a similarly like fairly straightforward? You weren't. You, it wasn't taking actions like knowing that the human could take advantage of it, or you
0: know. oh, it it was um, it would be looking at what you were doing, and there was a little bit of rock paper scissors in that. Yep. You know what I what I was talking about. So it would it would um, it, it would look at what you were doing and, and look at the rock paper scissor matrix, but it had a lag, it had a delay, right. which was kind of the cool part that it, you know, how long. How long would it take for the AI to recognize what you were doing was one of the you know, one of the variables we had in there. Yeah. So so um the that kind of uh created these opportunities for um for you to be clever or fast or sneaky. Yeah. Um beca- I guess because at at its core, the game that we designed could could have been solved by the AI, you know, like it could have been like tic tac toe or yeah. you know there is a there is a best strategy. Yeah, yeah and even more so
1: than shipped. It seems like it'd be trivial to write an impossible yes. AI for sort fighting. Right, right. But
0: yeah. by adding that kind of lag uh, and a little bit of uh, maybe I'll surprise you every now and then. Yeah. Uh, it, it became kind of fluid and, and, and dynamic enough to be yeah. fun fun to play.
1: So now getting that right, that's
0: really kind of like finding the
1: magic number in a sense. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now, how do you find that magic number? Was that Largely based off of your own play, or did you guys have a group of people to look it at? All, or, <laughs> it, was it was all pretty much all, yeah,
0: all me playing, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, we 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 might have had some other players, I guess, mm-hmm. but you have to really when you're when you're listening to input, you have to really consider the source. I don't mean that in a in, in a bad way, but sure. uh, different people just have different play styles and, and, uh, and are sensitive to different things. And, um, if you're putting an incomplete game in in front of somebody, um, it, you never know, or, or, or hopefully you will eventually learn kind of what it is, um, that will distract them. You know, the, 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 the graphics aren't good enough. I can't, you know, I can't enjoy this game. It doesn't look good enough. What, you know, so there are certain, some people, um, That you really want to hang on to are the people that can look past all the things that are eventually going to be there and focus on what you've actually got and and how that can be made better. But um, a lot of it was, was, I'm, I'm sure, me because I could also... Very quickly react to what I was seeing and change it.
1: Change it right, right. away. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, if, if I was waiting, if I was relying on other people, you know, maybe once a day they'd come and say, oh, I found this and this and this, and then I'd change it, and then yeah. a day later we'd have another iteration.
1: So, this is, to me, this is a little interesting because it seems like with some of your next big games, um, you you actually had a bit of a loop like that with Bruce. Yes. Right, for Rero mm-hmm. tycoon and for right. civilization, you know, you guys had he kind of had a pattern of you'd you change the game. He get he told me he would get a disc on his desk, you know, right. every morning or whatever, <laughs> and so he'd try it out and let you know what you think. So you you had that loop, right. Which presumably contributed a lot to the success of those games. Yeah. but you sort of you didn't have that loop when you were doing pirates.
0: Not not so much. And for example, you know, tuning the sword fighting or the ship battles, um, that was something you could get useful feedback on very quickly sure a a game like Civ, you know oh the you know the takes too long to get to brown you know bronze working you know the it kind of required a longer play time to get useful feedback and that that's certainly where where bruce uh you know is very valuable in in you know there's not something that could play for 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 10 seconds and say okay this needs to be fixed now it it required a longer play time to generate some useful feedback and and definitely That was kind of the disc of the day uh phenomenon and uh and you know he would play play for a while and i I mean i'd be playing too but i would be more oh that's got to change or you know we having two of us play was 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 more valuable because of the amount of time it took to get to some of the uh, significant parts of the game yeah
1: but so for but for the metagame of pirates, is there, you know, it wasn't as advanced as you know prehistoric right. civilization. But so how did you make the decisions about how the different nations interacted and your relationships with the governors and the governors' daughters right, and right. like the,
0: the economy of the Mediterranean, uh, the Caribbean. It, right, um, that was iterated upon, but um, it wasn't that complicated. I guess the you know the the um, the mechanics of Trade and things like that were fairly straightforward. Um, the, the the relationships between the different nations were very simple. You know, mm-hmm. there were war or, or peace, yeah. and um, the the economy was actually the hardest part because um, I wanted a mechanic where if you did a lot of pirating around this city, yeah. that their economy would would suffer and things like that. And if the the treasure fleet visited a city, it would it would you know its economy would uh, improve. Um, I assume that all worked, but I, I, couldn't, <laughs> well, I, was about, I couldn't guarantee it. <laughs> I, I was
1: about to say, like that's that's actually kind of an interesting thing because that's one element of the game that I would call refer to as being a little unsid like. Uh-huh. In that, I could see that there was this you know I would you ask for rumors or reports of other cities and you'd, right. you would get these things they're, they're growing or they're not growing or mm-hmm. you could tell there was all this stuff going on right but you could tell it was all kind of going on under the hood mm-hmm. and it was like i'm sure that the my the actions i'm doing are probably affecting it somehow but it wasn't necessarily clear what the connection
0: was and typically right. that's something that you mm-hmm. don't, i guess don't like to do a lot <laughs> I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think it probably because I wasn't sure it was working that well. So I, <laughs> I didn't want you to have too much insight into it. Um, uh, yeah, it 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 was probably you know one of the hardest things to uh, to actually test because of the, the amount of time it would take. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I yeah I, I I would agree with that with that observation. You know it probably um, was more obscure than than, yeah. it, than it needed to be or or, or should have been yeah, in the game
1: a, I, mean, I think it's probably for the best that there was there was the the world had a little bit of dynamism to it but mm-hmm. uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was always wondering what if there was if i you know i just kind of wished like i could find out more about what was going on yeah like how you could how you mm-hmm. could affect it and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so on uh oh, before i forget there's one other thing about the sword fighting i wanted to ask about which was that um Another thing that's kind of interesting about the sword fight is it wasn't just a sword fight, it was also meant to be sort of a proxy for a battle, right? Um, that, oh, yeah, yes. You know, you would see at the bottom how many men were on each side, and those right. numbers would go upward. It wasn't like you were winning the sword fight, you were winning the battle.
0: Yes, yes. That, that um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That The idea there was that you could turn the tide mm-hmm. with your awesome sword fighting um so you you might go into the battle with fewer men than the, the bad guys had but with your awesome sword fighting you could turn the tide um and or if you were not as confident of a sword fighter you could bring a bunch of guys and and win just by kind of defending yourself and not losing and right. like your guys would turn you know would kind of win on their own so it it uh it, it was trying to create the situation where yes you were the leader you were the hero that you know the your, your guys kind of responded to your leadership um but there was also the sense of it you know it's important to have enough you know a bigger crew or bring enough guys to the battle etc so yeah it, there was a nice dynamic between how well you were doing in your sword fighting and um and and the men and then you would see like the morale thing you would say they were right. you know shaken or whatever right. and, and kind of as you did Cool stuff with your sword fighting. You the morale of your guys go up, and right. um, so yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty cool. Actually, Yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> being
1: in a few situations where I think I was did a, sort of a load reload loop, save reload loop. <laughs> uh, situations where I shouldn't I shouldn't have, you know, I had far too few men, and I was like, yes. well, let me, if I can be if I could be just the super sword fighter, maybe I can uh-huh. I can pull it off. Um, and then also in one other kind of neat thing, you know, it's such a small thing, but like most games didn't do this that you you know you chose your ability. Mm-hmm. right off the bat, yeah, you know, to be um, a good sword fighter or probably a good navigator. There were right. like, probably like four or five, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I often chose wit and Charm just because it sounded
0: like... <laughs> Wind and Charm.
1: Like the, yeah. the cool one, but uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, it was one of those things I was always was curious, like, how much better of a sword fighter would I have been, you know, if I had it was, chosen the sword fighter? It was
0: film. actually designed to... Um, if there was a part of the game you didn't really like... Um, Or felt you were not very good at that you could choose that skill and 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 that wouldn't kind of detract from your overall enjoyment that was kind of the, the thinking behind it like i'm not very good at sword fighting so i'm going to pick the skill so that um interesting i can do all the other stuff and and when i get to sword fighting i'll still do okay because i have the special skill or you know ship battles or and i think wit and charm was kind of like i'm good at everything (laughs) <laughs> so i don't need any help you know so i'm going to choose wit and charm because right. i am cool you know right. but yeah that was that was kind of the idea behind yeah. the game did um, uh,
1: wit and charm actually do something then? i think it 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 did
0: i forget <laughs> exactly what it, it might have helped your relationship with the nations or something yeah um but uh it was
1: For, from uh, my perspective one of the things like well everything else i can probably just get better at Mm-hmm. But I don't know a way to get better at being Whitney and Charmy inside of the game, so i better choose this one. True, yeah. Um, yeah. It also be an interesting choice, in, especially for the era, in that if you look especially look at adventure games where players would die all the time arbitrarily and like reloading the game is just a regular thing, there was almost there was very little... You, you couldn't die in Pirates. Right, right. And it was very reasonable to just accept the fact that you got marooned and then keep going. Right,
0: right. Well, right. oh, it's no fun. It's so fun to die um, <laughs> we actually had for quite a while we had almost a uh, mantra philosophy of 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 not dying you know that die not only the player mm-hmm. but that nobody would die in in the game there's a there's a scene in um, railroad tycoon where <clears throat> the bridge is washed out and this and your train is headed for the bridge. And just before it gets there, the engineer and the conductor—you the, see them jumping out of the train and running down the hill, you know. Right. And um, in in um, in the later version of Pirates, when the before the enemy ship sank, all these guys would jump, jump off, off into yeah. the water. Uh, it was it was a little bit of a, a of a joke, but we, but we really kind of were avoiding uh, yeah, you know hitting you over the head with yeah. with 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 death. But but I think in, in the case of Pirates, it was. Um, uh it really worked well mechanically because it took like a year or so off of your life and um you actually had a specific lifespan in in pirates yep. and it would um <clears throat> there was another uh mechanic there where we we didn't want to force you to stop playing right. but but you know the question is how do you end how do you end the game you know yeah. um so we would kind of be, start reminding you that you were getting old and and some of your skills would start to deteriorate and um we wanted you to choose the moment when you stop playing but we wanted to kind of you know kind of encourage you in that direction and uh and then we had that kind of i guess for the first time we had that, Is that, the that first kind of cool screen yeah that was the you first didn't call that at the time, <laughs> yeah we had the first uh, ranking screen at the end there um i, was, I didn't know you
1: didn't you didn't do that in sound service or ranking.
0: no going? um no there were there might have been i don't know that they're even top 10 you know even, even just numerical scores i don't think there were even were in those games but yeah parts we we really had this wanted to have this sense of this lifetime where you started you know with your your adventure at the beginning where you took over the ship and and all the way to the end of your end of your career so it seemed like a fitting way to end the game with your with your ranking and some of your accumulated
1: do you remember how you how you calculated that
0: oh um gold land i mean governor dying you know, number of times we were married <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff i'm sure got factored in there right. and uh and you know um we're you know computers are good with numbers so we're keeping track of different things
1: yeah did uh, you know but... it was the was the highest level attainable achievable um is that something feels like uh <laughs> If I was back before the days where you could patch a game and you didn't yes. have extensive user testing, it seems like it would be very hard it was,
0: to... I, I don't that. know. I mean, I think you, you're right. I mean, we, we, we probably don't have uh, scientific evidence that it <laughs> could be achieved. achieved. Yeah. Um,
1: well, there's a long history, though, of, of game developers thinking that the highest level cannot oh, be beaten and then it being easily cleared. You know? Yes.
0: So. Yeah, there's the whole skill creep issue that you deal with when you're developing a game. You have to be really uh aware of and then there's the audience spread thing you know some people are going to be much better than you at our you are at playing the game yep. and some people are just not going to even understand things that you think are perfectly obvious so you really need to accommodate that whole um that whole uh range but um uh yeah we had you know you asked about the beating the highest difficulty level. I'm just thinking of some of the embarrassing um integer rollover issues <laughs> that we had <laughs> like maybe you could get close, but then, then <laughs> your oops. integer would go negative <laughs> and, and you'd terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man love love these thirty two bit integers we have now just yeah, you're swabbing the deck <laughs> yeah that's funny um
1: all right, well, I think I got one more question about pirates. Well, one uh-huh. final comment. I remember one tiny detail I was enjoying in pirates is if I didn't, if you didn't put in your name, you would be known as incognito. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that all stuck with me, but I was like, I mean, as a kid, I didn't even know what that I had to look it up in the dictionary. Like, oh, wow, I'm the unknown pirate. Um, but the last question, and uh, yeah, this... Um, no, I'm just I'm just sailing over the land battles. Just right, won't even, <laughs> I won't even talk about them. Did you ever considering that Seven Seas of Gold was an influence? Um, and maybe the answer to this is just flat out no. But mm-hmm. did you ever consider generating a world? Did you ever consider a random Caribbean?
0: Um, not really. Um, I think the layout of the world didn't play into the gameplay. As much as certainly in Seven Cities of Gold, um, there was a historical kind of solidity to having the real Caribbean there, you know, Um, and this cool, you know, Spanish, the the Spanish having all the gold. And there were, you know, I think I think it it set up a situation that you kind of knew um, a a bit of what to expect going going into it. Um, Right. And I, I I guess I never felt that a, a more random map would be more interesting because um, I I got to know, you know, Port Royal or you know, I got to know these places over the course of playing and yeah. that became kind of actually a you know, a good thing. To, sure. Uh, uh, you get the treasure uh, maps and you eventually re- get to recognize right. like,
1: like oh I know I know that area. Know right.
0: Yeah, actually that's a good point, right? <laughs> 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 the treasure yeah, I mean that that was people were, you know, proud of you know i only need two pieces of the map and i know where yeah, that yeah. thing you know i I think that was a a cool part of uh of, of learning or getting you know getting more and more uh, familiar with the game and more comfortable having more and more more fun with it so um i think you probably could, could have done that but um um i don't, yeah it, it it didn't seem like that was something that the game was was crying out for um yeah. uh, even even given experience of seven cities ago yeah
1: well it was definitely also a really neat thing the idea of the probably what six different starting eras right like that, mm-hmm. these, there are a lot of cities that were That's just, true that were yeah. it's not even present on this earlier map and then mm-hmm. or i think one of the towns in jamaica i think it's destroyed destroying earthquake halfway mm-hmm. through and like it's so yeah of just, it's just gone <laughs> um and then of course you know different countries of different islands different times i mean that actually made a pretty pretty big difference for
0: right uh, the map the map right. worked out um So yeah, I've had people tell me you know that they amazed their fifth grade geography teacher sure. by uh, <laughs> what they knew about the Caribbean. You know, I said uh, the Dutch were I mean? not much
1: of a factor <laughs> before the 1640s, as we all know. Um,
0: and it, it that you know really stuck with people internalized that map you know for the treasure yeah. map and for other for other reasons. And it was yeah. it was very interesting to hear you know people say, well, I totally amazed my my geography teacher by knowing every city in the Caribbean. You know yeah. and well, that part that
1: map that I included the pirates i mean that's that's a strong memory for a lot of people mm. like and it was great that it was looked weathered yeah right. those maps they get used so they become weathered mm-hmm. as right. they are but uh... right <laughs> oh,
0: yes nice. yes yeah yeah that was that was the era of cool manuals or cool stuff in the you know in the box that that would would you know you'd pick it up at the store and say, oh this is <laughs> heavy this must be good it must be a good game <laughs> paid by the pound yeah. uh, that's cool all right um, well can we take a quick yes. break yes i suggest that mm-hmm.